Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I want to talk about all kinds of stuff. I haven't been doing this for a while because honestly the world's been beating me down. I've just had my head down working on projects and keeping ahead of the curve in that way. So all of my more fun activities have fallen by the wayside. And as we come here towards Halloween, which is one of my favorite holidays, I just wanted to do something special for October. And uh, in this case, I've just got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, things that I have tried out and and played with, and um, just talk about some of the projects I've worked on as well. So I've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm going to dive right in. The first thing I want to talk about is um, my work, the things that I've been doing lately. Uh, I finished a new book called The Color of Lies. It's a sequel to another book I did called The um, Operation Agamemnon. It is a far future science fiction series, but it takes a twist in the regard that it's not the traditional space opera. Operation Agamemnon is more of a murder mystery set in a far future world, whereas The Color of Lies is more of an espionage novel. It's about a spy who goes in and does this crazy assignment and uh, helps work out a big a big problem. Um, there's a comic about this as well called Hestia Chronicles, and uh, that's a full story arc and totally done. Um, and so creating this one was a lot of fun. I did take about two months to do it because I had other commitments that I had to work through. But now that I have finished it up, it uh, it came out pretty much exactly as I wanted. So that was that was really awesome. Um, I also finished the seventh chapter of Malevolence. So now with that, there's almost 200 pages. I'm kind of looking at getting to the 10th chapter, I think, and I'll be releasing the entire thing as a, uh, as, as a graphic novel, basically. So that's pretty exciting too. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing more of that stuff in general. We've been working on practicing the new radio drama. It's a standalone radio drama I wrote set in the society world, so that'll be a lot more fun uh, than than some of the things I've been doing. And I'm also looking at doing another animation. This time I'm going to follow the Monster Hunter Ophelia thing. So if you want to know anything more about that, it showed up as sort of a gag at the beginning of Spook and Spell, and I didn't really explore it any more than that. So it'll be nice to explore that in a in a different medium than just the comics and maybe even a bigger thing to talk about is the fact that i finished season two of society case files that has been a long time coming i started it before i left my job at the corporate sector and i finally was able to sit down and really bust it out and i'm gonna say that i was nervous about how it was gonna end i thought that i wasn't gonna like it And it turned out uh, really, really cool. So I'm very excited about that. That is currently running at Tapastic. And uh, I'll be making it available as a physical copy pretty soon as well. I've got to actually set up all of these comics so that they can uh, be printed by the place that I use. I've got seven ready to go. So it'll be a while before those are uh, available. But uh, I'm working on it. So let's move on and talk about some movie stuff. I've actually watched a few movies that I really want to talk about, and then I want to move into some video games as well. The first movie I want to talk about is an assassin movie called Ava. 
everything about it looked like it was going to be just another crazy Luc Besson-style assassin film. And quite honestly, it was not that at all. I was pretty impressed by how different it was than the standard fare. All around, I really liked it. And I was pretty mad that I only rented it. I only rented it because the reviews were so bad that I was thinking that it would be as terrible as the movie The Courier. Which, for once, the reviewers got something right. Uh, that movie was atrocious. And I bought it, and I I had already refunded the rhythm section with Blake Lively, so I didn't feel comfortable refunding that as well. Although I probably should have. But Ava explored a different avenue of that, uh, of that genre. The character is extremely flawed, and she's actually struggling with some other things besides her conscience. She doesn't really seem to be too upset about the job itself so much as whether or not they're even doing the right thing uh and coupled with the fact that she has had some harsh um harsh stuff happen to her in her life that have led her to to do this to do this profession so all around i think that ava is absolutely worth seeing if you like assassin movies it's not quite as fresh as say the vigilante um with Olivia Wilde, which is not at all like these assassin movies, even if you might think it will be. Um, so for the most part, if you if you enjoy those kind of films, Ava is probably worth checking out. I personally am going to buy it when it drops down in price, much like I did with Anna. The funny thing is, is that when I saw Ava, <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing? I mean, you have to you know that there was another movie that is so close in title and and setting and everything else that, that you shouldn't do this. But once I watched it, I really came to realize that they did take some chances and uh, move away from the high glamour fashion of the uh, genre and, and try something else. And uh, this time around, they do have this sort of shadowy world that they've created, and it reminded me a little bit of John Wick, it wasn't quite as deep as that. And I really do think they could have explored it more. So if we're to be super critical of the movie and and call it out, I would say that it probably deserves it because it just wasn't detailed enough. It didn't fully commit to the environment it created. It gave us a very cursory view. In some ways, it felt more like the pilot of a TV show that might hook us to ask more questions. But... In the case of this, it's just a movie, and it may or may not ever make another one. Um, so there is that. Moving on, I really want to talk about a movie called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. This was kind of a surprise movie. I hadn't heard anything about it before I grabbed it, but once I started reading into it, it just seemed too intriguing to pass up. It's uh, it's set in Utah. It's this horror movie, but it's quirky. It's got some black comedy, and it's a very non-traditional narrative, the way that uh, it's presented to you. And all around, I loved it. It was just fantastic. Uh, it's a little gory here and there, but not too bad. And um, all around, the characters in it are just train wrecks, and they do such a great job of still making them likable people, or at least compelling in uh, in most cases. So this is a brand new film. It only just came out, and uh, we're really happy to catch it and watch it pretty much right away. Um, it's, it's definitely 
an independent movie in every sense of the word. It's got a lot of strange little quirks that you don't necessarily see in uh, super uh, expensive modern movies that come out these days. So uh, go into this movie realizing that you're going to get something a lot different than the, the normal formulaic stuff. Uh, the guy who made it just obviously loved his source material and he had a fantastic time making the movie. His character that he plays is out of control. Some of the stuff that he says is just drop dead funny and and unexpected. So definitely a movie that I recommend. Um, I had such a good time watching it um, and it actually um, it got good reviews. Now I keep bringing up reviews. I'm going to talk about that in a minute as soon as we finish talking about the Adams family. But there is something that has really grated on me lately about reviews in general, mostly from user reviews. So we'll talk about that in a second. Last night I watched the Adams Family animated movie, and I really loved it. And then I saw that all these people were really angry and gave it terrible reviews. So for me, the Adams Family fell directly in line and fit into the world of the Adams Family. It was exactly the same tone and feeling of everything else. Yes, it had a few more supernatural flares here and there, but for the most part, it was an Adams Family story. It could have very easily been in the 1960s show. It could have been with Raul Julia doing it. If they would have just toned back some of the supernatural elements, it would have been the movie or the show. And that's kind of my point. So I came to realize as I'm watching it that I didn't really understand why people were angry. So I did do a little bit of reading, and I saw that that people basically have this sort of fabricated nostalgia that they have developed about various franchises and products. And they have this sense that if the thing they're watching doesn't fit that vision in their head, which may be faulty because they haven't seen it through the eyes of an adult or whatever, then it's not good. And not only does the Adams Family suffer from this, but Star Wars suffers from it and and on and on and on. Anything that we saw as children that they've brought back in some way uh, gets gets lambasted for the most part. I mean, it has to fit this perfect canal in order for people to like it. And, and that's kind of impossible. Um, I think that the Willow sequel they're talking about might suffer from this in a dramatic way. The Last Starfighter has a sequel coming out. And I'm pretty darn sure that that's going to suffer from this too. There's all this nostalgia built up around it. And people remember it, remember the movie being fantastic, either of them, Willow or The Last Starfighter. And they're going to watch the sequel and unless it is somehow divinely perfect, it probably is going to get hit by these guys. And going further with that, I almost feel like people are just trolling with reviews these days. And I kind of get it because, I mean, I've been completely miserable lately too. And I've been struggling with the depression of everything going on in the world and just watching it sort of uh, unfold in front of us. It is nuts. And so I see people lashing out in any way they can. I'm playing World of Warcraft the other day. And the general chat just turns into this political witch hunt where people just start attacking each other. So 
I can see people using reviews as a source of anger management, that they've gone out of their way and destroyed a movie because they can. They have the power to do that, and so they did. Whether or not it's fair, maybe one scene pushed them over the edge and they said, screw it, this thing's done, and they went and and attacked it. Whatever the case may be, when it comes to the Adams Family in particular, again, I felt that it fit the the Adams family tradition and obviously it did well enough to make a sequel because they are doing that and it should be out next year and on that note I've really noticed something interesting I live on the internet a lot I mean I'm on it every single day I'm doing all kinds of stuff at one point when the last of us two was on the verge of coming out um, a bunch of information dropped about how the developers Um, were treated terribly by the company uh, Naughty Dog. And some of the journalists that I was watching on YouTube were talking about how it's going to destroy the sales and people are going to boycott. And honestly, I got caught up in the rhetoric and I believed it. I was like, wow, that game's going to fail. And of course it didn't fail. It became one of the highest selling games on the PlayStation. So... One of the things that I really have to struggle to remind myself and remember is that the internet has a lot of vocal minority. People that live on it, like me, (laughs) and we spend a lot of time there, so we write all kinds of stuff. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter. We have essentially done it, and therefore uh, we seem like we represent some larger group of people, but it's hard to remember that there are still plenty of people who do not live the internet the way that we do, and many people who probably didn't even know that Naughty Dog was doing that, or that software companies in general do crunches. And so, that in mind, I try not to take reviews with uh, too much weight, especially in the case of The Addams Family, where it was just pretty much wrecked on IMDb, for an example, and they're getting a sequel. That, to me, says that plenty of people watched it and either enjoyed it enough to see it multiple times or whatever the case may be, that vocal minority that just went out to attack it didn't really matter. Now, the vocal minority certainly did matter when it comes to the Batwoman show because Ruby Rose quit, and that was just getting wrecked all the time. So that was uh, that was pretty weak, and uh, you know I never quite got over how that worked out and reading those reviews just steamed me up in a major way so anyway let's move on to some video games and chat about those for a few moments here i've got two in particular that are really big and then one i don't have as much information on Uh, the first one i want to talk about is star wars squadrons so i had no illusions that i was going to love this game because i just haven't really enjoyed any of the flight sims lately This was a very pleasant surprise. I had a good time with it. I did buy the EA um, Play thing. I guess that's what they call it now. Where it's a subscription and I was able to play the game for basically 15 bucks. Um, I have not finished it, which is saying a lot because it isn't that long. But I did have a lot of fun with it. It is really neat. The graphics are great. The voice acting is good. The story is okay. Um, I was a little disappointed to see that they have no plans of really supporting it post-launch. They're not going to release like more campaign stuff, and they're not going to release any DLC or anything. But, you know, they did release it as a $40 game total. 
So I guess I kind of see that, but it does seem like it's a pretty successful title, so you'd think they'd want to at least add something to it. But regardless, uh, one of the more interesting aspects is that in the campaign, you bounce between the two factions. So you are playing the Empire or the New Republic uh, from, from mission to mission. Um, you do a couple as this side, do a couple as that side. I think there's only 14 total missions, and I got halfway through. But uh, it's 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 really neat, and that's how they unfold the story. So you kind of get the uh, both sides of the of the fence there. Uh, multiplayer is really where it's at. That's where people um, primarily are playing, and that's probably what they really were hoping is that you would just dump a bunch of time into blowing each other up. And I can say that it is for the most part pretty fun. Um, I enjoyed seeing the uh, the map as it was and just watching people fly around like complete maniacs, you know, unlike the AI does, because the AI tries to keep it a little bit more uh, in line with the <laughs> with the show, I guess. But in this case, the um, you know, you'll watch somebody just pull off insane maneuvers and in some case due to lag. But for the most part, it was OK. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm just going to go in there and get absolutely destroyed because I'm not the biggest flight sim person. I've got a joystick for it and everything, and I barely know the buttons, but um, there are a lot of buttons, I'm going to tell you that. But uh, I held my own, okay. Um, flying ships that I didn't necessarily think I was going to do well with. Um, I can't say specifically which ships they are because it has been a couple weeks since I've played it. But I can tell you that on the New Republic side, you can fly a X-Wing, an A-Wing, a Y-Wing, and then this support ship. And the support ship does things like allows you to boost shields and, and that kind of thing and um, all that good stuff. Whereas on the Empire side, you can fly a normal TIE Fighter, a Interceptor TIE Fighter, a Bomber, and then they have their support ship as well. And uh, obviously they want you to create a uh, solid build for your team and have a good um, a good uh, mix of ships so that you guys will have a better chance of succeeding. Because generally speaking, there's two, two forms of play. There is the dogfight where you just blow each other up. And that's pretty much dominated by interceptor class ships because they're really fast and they have good firepower. And then there is the uh, capital ships where you do some dogfighting and then you attack capital ships and you do a bunch of damage to those and whoever blows them up first wins, wins the round. I preferred those. I found them to be a little bit more exciting than just trying to blow each other up. You know, the deathmatch mode in this game was just not quite as much fun for me. But uh, having the objective and having to deal with the uh, non-AI players, the actual human players attacking you while you're trying to do it was kind of fun. And by the way, there are AI pilots flying around too. So it feels full. It feels like there's a lot going on. And uh, so that's something to definitely try. If you like these kind of games, I definitely recommend it, especially if you have it on um, the EA Play. You can try it for such a for just such a, a low price. It's almost ridiculous not to give it a shot. So that was Star Wars Squadrons. The next thing I'm going to talk about is the WoW expansion Shadowlands. And I'm going to talk about that first because um, I don't have quite as much to say about it since obviously it's not out. But they have done the pre-patch, and much of what we need to know about the game is currently live, such as the level squish and sort of how characters play 
compared to how they did um, in the Battle for Azeroth, which uh, which is just about to be the uh, previous expansion. So I dove right in and I made a brand new character because, of course, they've changed tons and tons of stuff. So jumping in with my highest level character never works for me because there's just too many buttons and I don't know necessarily what they all do. So in this case, I made a uh, Warlock on the Alliance side, and I tried the Exiles Reach, which is the new starting zone to introduce you to the game. If you've never played World of Warcraft before, it's fantastic. It teaches you everything you need to know, and it's very much a handheld experience that gets you from level 1 to 10. And it takes about eh, 45 minutes. If you are a seasoned player, you can get it down to about 30. I have done it multiple times now. Um, and when you finish, you are level 10. It's faster than going to your normal starting zone and just doing stuff, because I've tried that too. So that's something to keep in mind um, if you're just trying to power through it. Now, I did take a Warlock from basically level 1 to level 40, and I think it was about 12 total hours to get there. And I'd say that level 40 is probably the equivalent of around the 108, 110 range. So it's a really fast experience, and I think I could get it down even quicker if I wanted to. Um, it is not a big, uh, it's not a big deal to level anymore. In fact, a friend of mine summed it up pretty well. Those first 50 levels are just the tutorial. They're just teaching you how to play the character so that when you get to the end game, you can actually be effective. Um, my... Um, Warlock, who I got to level 40, I did that just by basically doing one and a half zones in the Battle for Azeroth. So it didn't even take me the entire expansion to get to that uh, stage. So essentially, whatever path you take, you're very likely going to get to max level in no time at all. Uh, probably long before you finish whatever campaign you chose to jump into. So the way it works is that after you get through Exile's Reach, if you've played the game before, you can go to Chromie and she can set you on a timeline that will allow you to play through whatever you want, whether it be Cataclysm or um, Legion or Draenor, whatever you want to do, she'll move you to that timeline and then you can play through the quests in that area. Um, or if you want to do those dungeons or whatever the case may be, that's how you get to the different parts of the game now. If you have never played World of Warcraft before, you're a brand new player, you're just jumping in for some reason, then when you finish Exile's Reach, you don't have a choice. It immediately dumps you into Battle for Azeroth. And then once you get through that, then later on you'll have the opportunity to go back and try some of the other things. Now, some of those expansions are really freaking long. Um, the... Uh, Burning Crusade, for example, there's, there's a lot of zones in that to go through. So there's no chance you're going to get through all of those zones before you hit level 50. Um, whether or not that's a problem and you just want to keep powering through, that's that's depending on your, your goals when you start leveling a character. For me, um, I mainly wanted to just experience how that level squish squish really worked and it's actually not that bad i kind of like it i like the changes they've made my rogue still feels pretty badass um the paladin is a little different they've they've changed the resource so you have a little bit uh you have to change your thinking when you're tanking with that character 
Um, but all around, I don't think that the changes are so significant that you would be confused by it or struggle to keep up. So um, I have high hopes that the expansion itself will be a lot of fun. I do have some doubts about level 50 to 60. I wonder how long it's really going to take to get those last 10 levels. Is it going to be quick? Are you going to max out really fast and have plenty of campaign to go? I did hear something about in the public test servers, people were doing all of the quests and still needing to gain two or three levels. So they hadn't balanced it very well yet. So I'm going to guess that they'll get it right and it'll be fine. But uh, I guess we'll see. So anyway, that's the World of Warcraft sort of pre-patch. Just a primer of what I thought about it and uh, what I've been doing. It's actually a lot of fun. I've been working on it a lot, so playing it while I do some work or having it on in the background to just run around and do some crafting, but uh, all around, it's uh, it's pretty neat. So, the final game I want to talk about is Marvel Avengers, and I'm saving this for last because I got a lot to say. I actually did max out my character's power level just recently, which, according to Xbox, only 1.6% of the people playing on the Xbox have done. Uh, based on the achievement I just received. This was a practice in patience. There's so much wrong with the game that it's a miracle that it came out. And I kind of understand why they had to put it out when they did. And I'm going to talk about that for just a moment. Marvel Avengers was in a tough spot. They could come out right when they did in, in September and hope that they could fix the bugs quickly enough and that there were no bugs that were so bad that it would get them kicked in the teeth. And that way they'd make some money early. Or they could wait, as they should have. But then they would have either put themselves in a terrible position by trying to come out in November, or they would have come out in the winter of January, February, March, and not made any money either. I don't know why those are dead zones, but they they tend to be. I mean, we get the worst movies in January and February. Uh, Games don't generally come out. They want, you know, the opportunity for money from uh, the holidays and that kind of thing. But they were in a tough spot because if they tried to come out in November, they'd go up against Cyberpunk and uh, Assassin's Creed, um, Destiny, Beyond Light, Call of Duty, uh, in October 31st, the new Watch Dogs comes out. So really, it was that was not an option. They couldn't even wait two months. Which, by the way, in two months, they have done considerable work on the game. And effectively fixed it, for the most part. Uh, there's still a long way to go, though. I just got a message from them today, talking about some things that should have been in the game all along, that they're working hard on. Like the ability to play through the campaign again. I guess you couldn't do that. Maybe it's New Game Plus. I don't know. I didn't read into that. But here's a title that in the first couple patches, they're fixing thousands of bugs. Now, maybe a lot of titles do that. Maybe every title I've ever bought fixes thousands of bugs. The reason it's so prominent with Marvel Avengers is because there are so many game-breaking bugs and really bad ones that it's a miracle that people were even playing it at all uh, after some of these came out. There were some people online who got to level 50, had some pretty significant progress in the game, and then just lost it all. And it was a bug with multiplayer where you would try to do some matchmaking and something would happen. 
and just knock you down and you're done. And so, (laughs) I mean, I can't even imagine doing it a second time, but this guy did. He got all the way back up there and he experienced the bug again and he lost all of his progress a second time. And uh, on the video, he said, I don't think I could do a third time. Really? (laughs) I wouldn't have done the second time. Fortunately, I did not experience that bug. I did experience one where I lost all of the outfits I picked up through the campaign. And that bug came about because I previewed one of the other outfits that I didn't have yet. I previewed one, and I came back to the normal screen, and three of my outfits were locked. They did eventually fix that, but it was a little absurd. Um, There's just lots of little stuff like that. And I say little, it's actually pretty big, because in some cases... People were losing things they spent real-world money on. You know, you buy units or whatever. I don't know how that works. I didn't do that. Um, but uh, there you have it. So some pretty significant problems with the game here and there. Um, ultimately, I think they needed to give it a lot more time. Not even necessarily two months. I think the game should have come out in June of 2021. And it would have been in a much better position. This release and hope that people help find the bugs did not do them any favors their community manager had to just be freaking pissed all the time because they'd post some really snug and awesome thing on facebook that just should have been received great and all they would get is comments of people bitching about bugs oh my god i can't do this i can't do that i lost this i lost that fix this your guys game is crap all this grind blah 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 and i mean i get it you know people are mad they spent a lot of money on it and it's just broken and then here's the community manager doing their job by the way but i think people just wanted them to have their heads down and not talk about it as much and just let them fix fix what was broken um and there's a lot of other little things i mean there's actual gameplay bugs too the character i played i played black widow didn't really have as many bugs as some of these other characters did but like iron man had a really bad one uh, Captain America couldn't do certain things that he had to be able to do. I mean, it was it was nuts the first week of that game. Um, so let me talk about the campaign. I really enjoyed playing through it. I liked the story. I liked how they presented it. I actually liked Kamala Khan. She's been attacked because she's not white, I guess. Or she's a new introduction to the Avengers. Um, I don't know why people are necessarily upset about it i don't really want to understand their side of things i think that it was a wise decision to bring a new character in to experience the story so they could bring some wonder to it through the character's eyes um you don't even have to play her for that long but whatever in any event people are upset about that then once you start getting through the campaign it sort of suffers from a destiny uh problem in that the campaign itself seems really awesome but they just truncate things Uh, Stuff that they could have expanded on if this would have been a a single-player-focused game. They just don't. There's a road trip that some characters take, and it's really quick. And when it's done, it's just... it's over. And it seems like that would have been something we could have explored a lot more. Maybe had three or four missions on the road trip. I don't know. Or more cutscenes. Whatever the case may be, it just felt like a missed opportunity. And then as we get towards the end of the campaign... They pad the length of the experience by throwing waves of enemies at you. Which, at that point, it was just getting annoying. 
um, to the point where I, again, am very surprised that I finished it. Because it was just, it was no longer fun fighting just endless waves of bad guys over and over again and being switched between characters. Because the campaign doesn't get you very far in the levels. There's 50 character levels. And by the end, the highest character I had was 12th level. So it's not like you guys are super, super powerful throughout the campaign. Um, once you finish the campaign, then you get to go into the Avengers Initiative and you start playing uh, these sort of semi-open world sandbox missions where you have objectives and do stuff and that's how you level up. It does not take very long once you get into those to get up to the highest levels. But you do have to unlock the characters in order for them to be available in the Avengers Initiative. So in any event, finally finished the campaign and I felt okay about it. It was it was bittersweet because I wanted to just love it, but so many little things were broken. Here's a great example. Uh the saves, the auto saves. There was one moment where your character is sliding down something and you have to make a jump. And so I missed the jump and died. And then the load screen, it takes a while on the Xbox One, let me tell you. I'm not gonna say it's like minutes but it's long enough to where you're not just staring at the screen. You're looking at your phone. You're having a conversation with someone in the room. You're looking outside, whatever the case may be. You're not just paying attention to the screen because it doesn't really matter. When the game loads up, you're going to be standing there and you're going to do whatever you need to do. Not with this one. The save point was pretty much on the fall and you were pretty much having to mash the button to jump because of where they had the save point. And that's just one oversight of many, many, many. I mean, th and that happened twice, by the way, um, that exact problem. So I just feel like they could have done a lot better at so many little things in the campaign to just not make it annoying. It should never have been annoying, especially at the very beginning. I was practically in tears with how awesome it was. I just had a great time walking around the A-Day stuff. So moving on to the Avengers Initiative, I started playing Black Widow and I just start busting these missions out and the method by which you power up is you get gear that uh you then uh increase the power rating of with resources and some of them can go up by five points and the higher level stuff can go up by 10 so the method by which you get to level 150 power is you have to get all of your primary gear to 140 and then you have this artifact that when you get it to level 10 that puts you over the top. And when you get into it, it's very Destiny, except for the fact that none of the gear has cosmetic value. It's literally just a bunch of numbers. And you've got to sort of decide if those numbers support your build. And then you really have to know what your build is. Now, builds don't really matter that much when you're just playing the game. Maybe they do in the Ultra Hives and stuff, but considering that the game crashes once in a while, I haven't been willing to commit to a two-hour event. But these numbers are kind of arbitrary in many ways. And I'll give you an example. Um, I'm at the max level, and I still could be two-shotted by regular mobs. They'll just shoot me a couple times, and I'm done. They can also juggle you. They could do all kinds of cheesy, just cheap crap. One of the things I saw them working on today is um, attack indicators to show you that a mob is going to do whatever, whether it's you know an unblockable or something. And that's something that really needed to be in the game earlier that would have avoided a lot of frustration. 
because when you have no idea, the animations are kind of floaty, it feels a lot like Anthem in that way, then you often are just going to let them hit you anyway because it's too much of a pain to hope that you've anticipated that animation over another and, and dodge around. Um, and that just gets annoying. So a lot of the stuff is just mired in that kind of frustration. Uh, the same kind of frustration I felt when I played Anthem. Anthem is the absolute best comparison to this game. The only big difference is that with Marvel Avengers, they're desperately trying to fix it. Whereas with Anthem, they led people on for a few weeks and then just gave up. That's pretty much how I felt about that. So, I don't know what to say about Marvel Avengers. Obviously, I did like it. Otherwise, I never would have gotten as far as I did. I would never have maxed out a character. I would have never uh, played as much as I, I did and seen all these quests. Which, by the way, they are grindy. And they are repetitive. And they pretty much are the same thing over and over again. With nagging people in the background telling you to do stuff. You'll go into a map, there will be these little question marks to lead you to different aspects of the game. Things to do, like go and grab gear or go and fight a bunch of elite bad guys. But when you go to do that, they're like, um, you know, people are waiting on you to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, could you just shut up? I actually got so fed up with it, I wrote to them and gave them feedback about it. Because it got really obnoxious. I mean, every four seconds, they're just like, what are you doing? Why aren't you off doing what you're supposed to be doing? It's like, because you are telling me to go do this other stuff. Anyway, I don't know if I can recommend Marvel Avengers. Um, Some people have asked me. I told them, don't buy it for full price because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to pay them full price to test their product, to help them find bugs, for you to waste your time when bugs rob you of progress, that sort of thing. Obviously, that one got fixed, but, I mean, who knows what's going to come up next. They delayed DLC. Um, they added something that is basically the same old missions, but now there's a time limit. Um, I don't know. I just, I struggle with the game. On the positive side, you don't really have to ever spend real world money. They're going to give away the DLC. I think they're going to do Battle Pass style uh, trees for your characters so that you can, I don't know, level them up. (laughs) That battle pass stuff is kind of a touchy subject for me too. For the most part, I think that when it goes on sale and you could get it for like 40 bucks and they fixed a whole bunch more stuff and they've got some DLC, then I would, then I'd probably go for it. Um, I've seen negative reviews where people are upset about the way the characters look and that sort of thing. That's just stupid. I mean, they had to make their own thing, especially when you get into this storyline. The characters didn't necessarily need to look like their movie counterparts. Um, But whatever. For Marvel Avengers, I would say go in at your own risk if you are just gagging for that kind of game and you're not really looking forward to uh, any of those big products coming out in November. I know a lot of people are pretty much just chomping at the bit for Cyberpunk, and that's the only thing they really care about. And I get it. So, you know, there's not really much reason to get the Marvel Avengers at this point if you haven't already. Especially with my glowing review that I just gave it. But, um, my experience with the game was I I enjoyed it and I just kept coming back for more. Uh, but I think I'm a masochist and I just refused to give up because I spent so much money on it. 
I've done that before. I did it with The Division 2. I absolutely detested that game, but I still maxed out and I still finished everything. So, whatever the case may be, if you if you just need your dose of Marvel since there was no Marvel movies this year, then maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll get you through it. But in any event, that is all that I've got to talk about this month for the most part. I want to thank you very much for stopping by. I appreciate your patience with it being so long since I've done a podcast. I'm looking forward to trying to kick it up a notch. I can't make a promise. I'd really like to get there, but there we are. So, if you liked what you heard today and you want to hear more, please visit our website at www.societycasefiles.com or you can support the project at www.ko-fi.com. Dot com slash society case files got a whole lot of stuff available including an audiobook selection of short stories that is available on our bandcamp site visit any of our sites to get more information and pick that up at a reasonable price of seven dollars for two hours worth of material it includes the legend of sleepy hollow hp lovecraft's the unnameable uh, edgar Allan poe's the telltale heart and a couple of other things that you might find spooky and perfect for the Halloween season. Other than that, thanks very much, and I'll talk to you soon.